1: Greetings and welcome to the Voice of the Shepherd with the Bishop Peter Smith. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and today we're going to reflect upon the liturgy and the beauty of liturgical ministry. And, you know, as we come together and celebrate Holy Mass, as we come together and celebrate all of the sacraments, how do each and every one of us participate in the life of Jesus Christ? So, welcome back, Bishop Smith. It's always great to have you with us on the program.
2: It's great to be with you, Dina Marie, and also welcome to all those who are listening in and whatever medium you're doing that on through Mata Day Radio. Great to be with you.
1: Fantastic. Well, I know we've we've been talking a little bit about this Eucharistic revival, this time to really focus on the presence of the Holy Eucharist, but I wanted to go deeper into that today and look at the liturgical ministry, just all of the different ministries in the church during the fall season. It's a wonderful time to to reflect, maybe to retrain, to refocus on what's happening at Mass and who is all participating, because we're all called in a different way, Of course, number one, our priest. If we don't have a priest, we don't have Holy Eucharist. Uh, And all of us are here to support the priest and our bishops in in bringing Jesus Christ to people. So when we talk about liturgical ministry, what do we mean?
2: Well, I would distinguish between ministry with a capital M and Mm -hmm. ministry with a little m, because we do have formal ministries in the church. And then there are all the others who participate in the formal ministry of the church in different ways, I would say that's ministry with a a small m. Uh, Because sometimes we have this tendency as Catholics, we want to sacramentalize everything. And uh, with ministry, we want to make everything a ministry. And in terms of a formal ministry, the church has some. But the rest of us participate in those ministries. Let me just start by using this example. I mean, many of us have flown on commercial aviation flights. This is one of the hazards of being in a position like ours is that we have all these bishops meetings and so on, and I'm flying down to Torino here at the end of this week to do a retreat for their, their, their pastoral center staff down there. So how do I get there? I get on a plane. Now, when we think about that, we think we go to the airport, we go through the, the check-in, we get on the plane, we fly, we arrive, and we go to our destination. Think about, all the people that had to work to make that happen. So the key thing is you get on the plane and the plane takes you to your destination. So what needs to happen? You need to have pilots and crew. And then if you're on the plane, you need flight attendants. So they participate in getting you from A to B into your destination. Well, that plane, how did it get out on the runway? Well, you've got the ground crew who are directing it to where it goes. The food that you get on the plane, depending on what quality, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. Somebody loaded that on the plane. Your bag that's in the baggage hold below you, how did that get there? Somebody else got it there. Mm -hmm. But you dropped your bag when you checked in. So there's check-in people you check in with. They take your bag. Somehow that gets on the plane. Oh, and by the way, to, to, to get to the departure gates, you have to go through security. So you have all these other people there. And you start thinking about all of this, and there's so many more. All these people who work together to enable that plane to depart from your point of origin and arrive at your destination, and you get off at the other side. So it's this big choreographed uh, event. Um, Different airlines have different numbers, but my understanding is that... Usually a very well-run airline for each pilot will have between 150 and 180 people working on the ground yeah. and in other, other capacities around that. So when we talk about ministry in the church, so for example, let's just take, take the Sunday Eucharist as an example. So mo- many of us come in, we walk into the church, we sit down— The hymn begins, we process in, celebrate mass, we receive communion, uh, the the recessional hymn is there, and we go out. We may go to coffee and donuts. That's a nice experience, but who else is involved in all that? So you have the priest, you might have a deacon, you have lectors, people who do the two readings, you have acolytes who are there, you have the musicians who are doing this, you have the people who opened up the church. You have the sacristans who set up. you have the greeters at the front of the church. So you had all those people, and by the way, the church is nice and clean. so people clean that church. and then afterwards you go to coffee and donuts or whatever your reception thing is. Where do they come from? Mm-hmm. So you have all these people who participate in the ministry and the life of the church. And in terms of that, you are all contributing. Uh, it's if the sacristans is set up, then somebody else has to do that. And I've been in a parish that was fairly small where I had, had one full-time and one part-time employee and the rest were volunteers. And it's a very different feeling when you come in, you have to open up in the morning, make sure the air conditioning or the heating are running, make sure things are set up right. Uh, you're counting on people to do all these things. Yeah. And... I can tell you as a priest, sometimes we celebrate the Eucharist for people, but it's harder for us to enter that moment because of all these other things going on. You know, So it, it's having all those folks participate in their different ministries in the life of the church. It's like we each bring something and put it in the common pot, and because of that, everyone is fed. Mm-hmm. And... It's much harder to run um, a parish, to run a ch- uh, 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 church services with fewer people. And the good thing is, in the past, this was the purview of the priests. They did almost everything, or women religious if they were there. But now, in this, this, the, the age of the laity, uh, lay people are taking their rightful place because priests don't have to do anything. I'll give you an example. Uh, in My previous parish, during Lent, I would lead Stations of the Cross for the first Friday of Lent. And then I would have different groups in the parish. I would always be present, but they would lead the Stations of the Cross because you don't have to have a priest to lead them. And it's good for people to get become used to that because then they too can lead those asp- those parts of the life of the church that are proper for them to lead if a priest is not present. And it also gives them something where I'm not just coming to receive, but I'm also coming to give and to make my contribution.
1: Right. Bishop Smith with us on The Voice of the Shepherd and it just takes me back to thinking about the domestic church you know each and every one of us from the littlest family member has a role to play I think about my grandchildren who are emptying and loading the dishwasher they're putting away the dishes they're helping mom and they're little but they learn the little things that they can do they can help with the laundry they can take out from the washer and the dryer and as they grow older there's more responsibility and more opportunities and in a parish family, it's the same, but we have many more family members, uh, different ages, different abilities, but yet everybody has a role to play, and I think sometimes we feel like, oh, we, we need more people to participate fully, and I think maybe that's something to think about. How do I fully participate in my parish community?
2: Yeah, and it, it, well-run parishes have a surprisingly large number of volunteers. My very first parish I served in uh, right after I was ordained was Our Lady of the Lake in Lake Oswego. And at the time, I'm not sure what the numbers are now, but we would get about 2,000 people coming to Mass every weekend. And just after I got there, there was the sense of we have all these volunteers. We, we want to do something to thank them. So we had a—it's a, a long story, but it morphed into a cheese and wine thank you event that— uh, of course, we brought in caterers because we can't ask volunteers <laughs> to volunteer to. to help with a volunteer. So we brought in caterers. We did it nice. And people were just – they didn't want anything fancy. They didn't want any gift. They just – a little five-minute fervorino to thank them, and now we're going to have two, two hours of cheese and wine. Let's sit down with our friends mm-hmm. and have a good time. But I remember when they pulled that list together. So we saw an average of about 2,000 people at Mass on a weekend. We had over 700 volunteers. Mm. And that was an eye-opener for us in that parish to look and see, wow, we've got all these people helping in these different ways. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful testament it is. You know, Because often you, what you see in these in these kind of settings is you have 7 to 9% of the people doing most of the work. And so the more you can have people involved, the more people feel they contribute, the more they feel that they're part of this and that. And that their life of faith has some meaning and is producing some kind of um, result.
1: Right. You said, um, Bishop Smith, you know, the church of the laity and just how the laity has become involved. But again, we want to have our proper mm. place, and we don't want the laity to take over different areas that is not proper. For. So give us a sense of how the church is really—it's almost like our, our discussion of renewal as the Holy Spirit, you know, works within the church. You know, what things have been implemented to allow the laity to participate more fully in some of the aspects of particularly our liturgical celebration?
2: It's uh, It can be challenging, but the, the key thing is we don't want to clericalize the laity, mm-hmm. which has happened, and we don't want to laicize the clergy, which has happened. Right. <laughs> Everyone has their rightful place in doing this. And part of the the, the the blessing of ritual, for example, is people know their place, know how to respond, know what's expected of them, and they participate in those ways. So think about it, a Thanksgiving dinner. When people, Whenever I hear people say things, oh, it's, mass is the same old thing, it's dull, it's boring, we always do the same thing, let's do something different. So I so, say, all right. Let's think about your Thanksgiving dinner. So this year we're going to serve salmon and not turkey, right? And this year we're going to do such and such, and people are just like shocked. How can you do that? And you, you right. get people to reflect. Like a Thanksgiving dinner, in one sense is, is somewhat ritualistic. You know, grandma does this. the The grandkids do that. The children do this. Everybody participates, mm-hmm. and there's a a almost like something that's evolved over time this is how it works and this is how we all contribute and a good time hopefully is had by all so in a sense the the the, the the liturgy of the church and the participation in the church people have different roles to play and we need to encourage people to step up and take those roles and responsibilities on and within the appropriate parameters that are in place. When you think about the work of the church that's been carried on today, so much of it is being done by lay people. And that's a wonderful blessing because any, anyone who's baptized as a Catholic is charged to participate in the, the mission of the church. And we're reminded in canon law, lay people have a right to organize in support of the mission of the church. So you have all these different groups and entities. You think about it. Some of them have become formal and recognized, and yet many, many others, they haven't sought recognition from the church, but the church blesses them because they're doing such wonderful work in these areas. And that's part of what the Lord is doing through us as a Catholic church. Now, in terms of the, the, the rightful place in all of this, if that all works together, it, it's it's like flying the plane. The example mm-hmm. I used earlier, you know, we don't want the flight attendants flying the plane, or right. being the first engineer. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, sometimes when when one of the, the crew comes out of the cockpit to use the facilities, one of the flight attendants will go and sit in the cockpit. And I always wonder, okay, you got one, one guy who's tra- or woman who's trained to fly this plane, and somebody who's just sitting there to make sure that things are okay. You know, what happens if the one Who's trained to fly the plane has an issue, you know. So it's one of those things where we we want the right people doing the right, the, right, the the appropriately trained and commissioned and so on people doing what they're good for. Another example is if you're going into surgery, you don't want the nurse who's keeping the record on the side to say, "Oh, you know," to the surgeon, "Let me help you. I'll do this." You know. So we want people who are appropriately trained and qualified to do that. The same thing's true in the life of the church. Uh, God calls us to different things and gives different opportunities and ways to serve. And we all serve to a lesser or greater degree in the church but all that service is every bit as important. Mother Teresa had a wonderful little example where somebody asked her about what she's doing and she said, what I'm doing is simply a drop in the bucket. But if I don't put my drop in the bucket, it will not be as full. So we all, all bring uh, what we have, and God can take that and do wonderful things with it. Think about the boy who brought the five loaves and two fish. Now, he wasn't thinking about, I'm going to be part of a miracle today. Mm-hmm. But because he was there and he brought these, God did something with it and did something incredible. So no matter how small or large or whatever our involvement or contribution is, God can take it and do something incredible with it.
1: Right. Right. And I think about the different volunteer committees. Of course, we always have a pastoral council or a finance council, councils that look and see what's happening at our particular parish. If we have a school, how are we working together with that, out with that ministry? And so everybody's everybody's gifts, if you have somebody who's an attorney, an accountant, a lawyer that, that can give those gifts to the church, but who's going to count? We need a counter. We, you know, we need all of these different people who can make the parish um, shine and it can bring Jesus Christ to the forefront. And we talked about the Holy Spirit before, Bishop Smith. It's like, how how can we invite the Holy Spirit to help guide us so that we we're willing to give those gifts freely? Sometimes that can be a, a difficult thing, or I think I don't have anything to offer. Or here's the big one, I'm too busy. <laughs> I'm too busy to serve at the church
2: that may be true on one level mm-hmm. we may be too busy to serve at the church but my response to that is something like this we make time in our lives for what's really important to us so you know if 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 football on sunday is important to us on sunday afternoon we carve out that time to watch the football game If going shopping to such and such a place is really important to us doing it once a week, we do that. So as human beings, we prioritize what's important to us. And it is true that we could have all our time taken up. You can say, I don't have any free time to do that. That may be true. But there's a deeper issue there. Okay, well what's most important? Do we need all these things in our lives? And we make time for those things that are deeply meaningful to us. And so if we can do that with our faith, we need to do that with our faith. I mean, faith, it, our faith should not just be, oh, this is a nice spiritual club I go to once a week, and now they're may- placing more demands on me. I mean, in terms of our marriages and families and so on, we adjust lives to deal with that. I mean, parents who have, inf- have little kids live one life, then when they're teenagers and getting into sports and extracurricular activities during high school, your life changes. Mm-hmm. You're driving p- your children here, there, and everywhere. I mean, you, you, I mean, you're in business as Uber or Lyft or whatever <laughs> right. else the company is that moves people around uh, for several years to, until the last of those children are out. So we adjust our lives to make time for that. And the same thing should be true with regard to our faith. Just as we say, our children are deeply important to us and we want to provide the best for them and give them the best opportunity. You know, we want to participate in that, so too in our life of faith. Now we, we all can't do everything, we know that. But we also can do, we look at this and we say, these are the activities we can do. This is how we can be involved. So I need to make time to do that. Right. So I would go back to the earlier question, what's really important to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, if you, you can, uh, it doesn't take, once you figure out how to do it, it doesn't take much to figure out what is the essence or one of the important things of people's lives because it's where we spend our time, our energy, our money, our resources, our efforts. That's, you start looking at that. So where, where does that go? that will start telling us what's important about our lives.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned, Bishop Smith, about being at some of the different parishes as a priest. And maybe just reflect a little bit about that relationship, because there are parishes that have staff. Some are small, some are larger. But there are many parishes that are smaller that mostly run on volunteers and a few staff. But there has to be a a relationship, a trust that— that this whole community has in order to serve the needs of the people.
2: Yes, and thank God for all those who volunteer. And uh, not only thank God, but thank you to all those who are listening who volunteer in your parishes. You can you make a huge difference. What you bring helps and benefits so many more people. Um, when I was at St. Rose, that was the, the, the last parish I was in. Right? We had one full-time person and one part-time those volunteers who stepped up and did all these other things, that we could not have functioned without them. And it is different from a small to a large parish. When you go to a large parish, you know, you think of some of our parishes like Our Lady of the Lake, St. Anthony's, St. Pius, um, St. Cecilia's, Our Lady of Lavang, and so on. They have big staffs, mm-hmm. and they need them uh, to do all the things that they're doing and run the parish. and. In one sense, it can be easier because you're not worrying about all those little things out there. another sense, it's more challenging because you have much bigger issues to deal with. But in a lot of our sort of more rural or small-town parishes, they don't have that and they can't afford that. So there you have the pastor with a somebody who is some, a combination of a, a director of religious education, pastoral associate, uh bookkeeper, office manager and so on doing all those things and then there are volunteers around that. But in a parish like that we don't expect them to do what a uh, top flight parish with several thousand members and a big staff can do and there's probably less demand as well. We we do the, the best we can with what we've
1: got. Absolutely. And I think about as as bishops who ordain our priests, we want to have our priests healthy. We want them supported, but we want them to be able to live out their faculty, live out their particular call, uh, and it requires a parish to support that.
2: One of the problems that some, some of us as priests have is that we can't let go.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
2: And we have to recognize that we we may lead the parish community and lead the community in worship, but we need to have people around us helping us in all facets of that. And that's where the Archdiocese is going with the amazing parish methodology that we've started to embrace and with some of the other things that we're doing. So the, the Acts 29 convocation that we did, which focused on preaching the gospel to ourselves uh, to renew our faith, to strengthen our faith, Uh, The amazing parish involvement where we have a parish leadership team. So it's not just on the priest to do all these things. There are other people sharing that load. So because we do want our priests to have a, a, from our perspective, a vibrant uh, spiritual life because we can't give what we don't have. So we need to have that relationship with God in a good place so that we can give and what we need to to the people entrusted to us. We need people around us taking care of all these other things so that we aren't burdened by that to the degree that we have been, so that we are freer to serve our people. And that's something that we're moving towards strongly here because otherwise uh, priests can very easily become functional, mechanistic, and we essentially are a branch manager running, running something and we'll lose that living witness fire in our lives.
1: Yeah. I love the term amazing parishes, and we are all part of that when we bring our gifts, when we bring our humility and our openness to be formed by Jesus Christ. Again, Bishop Smith with us today on The Voice of the Shepherd. Thank you so much for helping us reflect a little bit again and a call to all of us to respond to the Holy Spirit and to get involved and really see uh, what are the needs at your parish and just say, Father, I'm willing to show up. You just give me a direction. And there are plenty of beautiful ministries that will guide us in that particular." way. Would you help us close with your prayer and blessing?
2: Certainly in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: A- Amen. And thank you all for joining Amen. us on The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you.
0: You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend.